You're listening to the God Stories Radio podcast, www.godstoriesradio.com. Everybody, welcome to this edition of God Stories Radio. This is session 323. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. How is everybody doing tonight? Oh, it's been a busy, busy time. It has been a busy week. And it's uh it's easy to be busy. Very, especially um, you know, the holidays have come and gone, and now we're sort of trying to get back, I guess, to our normal lives. Post holiday yeah, define season. normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, we want to welcome everybody online on Mixler tonight that's listening. You have dialed into a good one. We've got a special guest tonight, and I'm not going to take a whole lot of time because I want to give him as much time as possible. But you got anything on your heart, babe? No, I, um, you know, just ask. For those of you to keep me in prayer this next week, it's going to be extremely busy as I transition back to school and um, also, you know, just balancing that with with working, etc. It seems like everything is uh, in in full force and effect. <laughs> well, that it is. Yeah. I was just. to put my hand to the plow and not look back it's uh it's on in the spiritual realm <laughs> bring it that's it's, all i got to say seems like we're very 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 busy and um i don't usually like feeling overly busy because it kind of steals your time in ways that you don't want it to. So Oh, absolutely. And I have to like try your to, prayer life and and your yeah. reading the word. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to be very careful as I move into this season. Keep what's important important. Amen. Amen, babe. You wanted to uh, introduce our guest? Uh well our guest actually introduced contacted us um through uh you know, God stories, radio, Tina at gmail.com. Um, he has a representative and, um, they reached out and said that Paul would be interested in being on the show. We had a lovely opportunity to speak with him. He is an author and he has really, um, made an impression on us as we're just starting to get to know him. Um, and we were very excited about having him on the show he is an accomplished technology inventor and an evangelist uh, living in Houston, Texas. And he has such an interesting background um, and just a, a fascinating person to speak with. And um, you can hear God's uh, word living through him. Who can and, you ever? Yeah. And it, what a book. It's... Uh, it's a pleasure to get to speak with him, and I'm really glad that he's taken the time to be on God Stories Radio, and um, I hope that you will all uh, check out his book 
and uh, just hear what he has to say. Um, Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism is the book. And he sent us two copies. Thank you very much, Paul. And we've had some time to do some digging. And man, I'm in love. I'm I'm looking forward to some growth. I really am. So welcome to the show, Mr. Paul Williams. Welcome to the show, Paul Williams. Yeah. Thank you, Fritz and Tina. Hi, everyone. Well, Paul, tell us a, a little bit about yourself and part of that interesting background we were talking about. Okay. Well, I'll give you a snippet of what's going on today, and then we'll probably start with how, how did we get here. So today, we, the ministry, we go around healing people, physically healing people wherever we go. That's in stores and restaurants, on planes and trains and and I don't, you know, we do heal people in churches too, but most of the people we meet are in the course of our ordinary business, our cybersecurity and business consulting service. It is not a ministry. We don't use overt Christian language or terminology of any kind, but they just catch them by surprise. When they're in our office and we see something wrong or they're talking to a sick relative, they say, hey, can we pray for them? And of course, they're going to say yes, because they think you're just going to do a general prayer somewhere else or you know, put them on your prayer list for tomorrow, whatever the case is. Say, great, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And just point at it. I mean, just people just blown away. We're talking everything from blind people to cancer to, you know, diabetes. To, you know, every disease you can think about instantaneously healed on the spot. And the nice thing is it's not just us doing that. It's those who believe the words of Jesus in John chapter 14, 12. Every translation says the same thing. Believers will do the works I did. In fact, greater things. And you're talking to some people that actually believe that and act on it. And we that's what the book is about. Any Christian can do the same thing. And so that's the present day life. We do a lot of that in addition to our secular work, inventing things and making things and doing things. But it's really just a front for the ministry. That's That's really what it is. Oh, that's fantastic. So tell us a little bit, Paul, about um, growing up, what your growing up was like, and how you came to know Jesus, and what home life was like. Oh, well, it's uh, fairly radical. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah, to say the least, my uh, parents, uh, my father was a a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, fought in the Korean War, Vietnam War. He volunteered uh, as a conscientious objector, and actually with uh, four other men, they went to the Supreme Court of the United States and won the right to not to have to bear arms on the front lines. And, and of course, in the Vietnam War, the, the enemy was you know, actually targeting, deliberately targeting the, the medics. So my father ended up being sole survivor twice. His platoon completely wiped out to the last person, and my father never hurt. He did not carry a gun. He was right on the front line carrying men. He he felt like God is protecting me, and he acted like that. And, you know, the official accounts are you'd see dozens of machine gun, uh, machine gun tracer fire aimed directly at my father, passing all sides, and he would not hurry. He said, Jesus is protecting me, so I don't need to hurry. And so my father had intense faith. And I've, you know, inherited that, but that he believed the word of God. And, and, you know, if Jesus is protecting you, why would you bother to run? So he acted his faith out and wasn't touched 20 years in. And that really is the man that 
he believed the Bible, everything the Bible said. And so one of the things it says in the Bible that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so among the many crazy things about us is we literally had three one-hour Bible studies per day. That's 365 days a year, no matter what the weather or was, on time, start on time, end on time, three one-hour Bible studies. And in addition, we had to memorize, uh, the three of us kids, uh, large portions of Scripture. At one point, I had about a third of the Bible memorized verbatim. Um, and uh, we would be tested. My, crazy, my father was, a, you know, he, he scared us. He would light a fire and say, I'll tie you to the stake if you... Misquote scripture. Of course, that's not how the stake worked, but his point was <laughs> you've got to know scripture, right? And I kind of hated all that then, but now I'm just amazed now. God used it. He went too far, obviously. But And the other thing was, you know, we would actually micropint, use steel whiskers and little bitty things that we, we kind of, to write large portions of scriptures on pieces of paper, which we then cut into strips and sewed into our garments, which is you know, again, adapting that from a Bible scripture to sew the scriptures into your clothes. And so, and so, but we did that microprint and we would put, I think our record was uh, eight chapters of the Bible, including Psalms 119, which as you may know, has like 176 verses. Hebrews chapter 11, which is 40 verses. So, you know, uh, eight chapters of the Bible sewed on a portion two-thirds of one side of a three-by-five-inch card. So that's a lot of scripture hand-printed wow. using a microscript. Yeah, using that a microscript. blows using me lenses. away. Yeah, and we sewed it into our clothing because when the FBI came and got us, my father was very fearful of the government interfering in our religion. When they came to get us, we could read scripture in the jail. And one day I was like 12 years old and we were busy working industriously on this, and, and the thought occurred to me. I said, Daddy, oh, if we're in the jail, we won't have the microscope. I mean, not the microscope, but the, the big um, we call lens that we're using to do this. How are we going to read the scripture? My father said, that's for you to figure out. And, of oh. course, I thought my father had the answers to everything, and he didn't, but he would always tell us that, and we'd come up with the answer. Mm-hmm. And, and he'd confirm it, so I thought he was the brilliant one, but he was pretty, you know. So a, a day later, he hit me, Daddy, a drop of water. And we tried it. You can actually cut the scriptures out of your clothing and take a drop of water, and by looking through it close to your eye, you could actually read that microprint in your clothing. Dad says, I knew you'd figure it out. And he says, oh, Daddy, you're so smart. You know, but that's really <laughs> gets into how we trained it. <laughs> that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Wow. Oh, man, it's innocently brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, wow. that was that was my school too. You know, he asked us tens of thousands of questions, and he'd write down anything we didn't answer immediately in houses to answer. And I mean, sometimes a year or so might go by, but, but my father would draw a line. You know, you're going to stop missing meals. I mean, he would punish us. He was, it's a bit of a cult, you know. But the main thing was that was the schooling. So I should mention is raised. We were initially in the edges of cities military bases, but he would keep us apart from the other kids and children as much as he possibly could. And every year it get tougher and tougher. And by the time we were nine, found myself in the Ozark Mountains and then the mountains of northern Alabama. And then finally he found this very remote corner of Tennessee. 
as far as you could see, the horizon was no one or nothing, and there was no contact with the outside world. We didn't even have radios, and so in obscurity, no electricity, running water, telephone service, and you know, and it was it was a very tough upbringing. Uh, everything had to be hand grown, handmade, from the clothing to you know, if you didn't make it, you didn't. It, it you couldn't eat it. I mean, it's entirely self-sustaining community, lost in the vast wilderness. Again, nothing and no one, no infrastructure of any kind. And so, in that vast wilderness, grew up in obscurity. And the class was really the Bible, first, second, and third, and all the science and technology resulting from that. My father would tell us all the time: the more you read the Bible, the more you're learning about technology. I know it sounds crazy, but guess what? Uh, after a horrible leaving home at 19 years old and a 10-year transition to the world, very painful, very tough, realized I have remarkable skills. I've got uh, over 100 inventions in 14 different fields of science without ever directly learning those subjects other than experimentation. So. A lot of what he said seems to be borne out. My father went way too far, obviously, but nevertheless, God has used it for his glory today. Yeah, because the way you guys were raised, you were really kind of separated from the world, like isolated, yeah. separated, and all you had was what he was providing uh, to you guys um, and and his rules. So, that was it. Yeah, which I can imagine... Um, would probably cause you to dive even deeper into the word because it's really your only source of input, you know, aside from your father. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I should mention that, you know, seeing my first TV show at 21 was, was just blown away when I left, you know, the mountains and stuff like that. And, went my way to a suburb of, if, you know, Point Blank, Texas, far north of Houston. But, uh, but yes, my father controlled all of our input, so our 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 thinking was extremely warped. I, I didn't know who Clint Eastwood was, or I didn't know what a freeway was, or a feeder road, or drugs, or homosexuality, or anything to do with the world. We had a thousand book library, but nothing to do with social stuff. So it's completely ignorant and. And it took many years when I, when I did leave, you know, it, it, we were like, uh, inept is the best word I can put it as viewed by the system of the world. So I give example is, you know, having left the mountains, we never ever combed hair or washed the hair because why? We just, if from your earliest member, you don't do that. It doesn't occur to you. So people keep making a big deal about my pack down here wasn't an afro, but it was just not untended hair. And they said, it doesn't look right. Well, what's wrong with the hair? This subject has never come up from before. <laughs> so finally someone told me, yeah, look, it, it's, you know, and please don't laugh because you have to put yourself in my position. If you're raised in the jungle, you only know the jungle and many things. And without access to other kids or television, a thousand things never occurred to me to think about. Mm -hmm. So someone pointed out your hair smells that had never been mentioned before. Okay, what do I do about that? If that's the case, you need to wash it. Okay, wash it. That's with soap, right? Yeah. So I did, but using bar soap, just the same hand soap, which of course dries your hair, causes a breakout. It's uh, it's a horrible mess, burns your eyes. It's very difficult to wash out. And the next time the person saw me, said, "What did you do to your hair? I washed it with what? With soap." What do you mean with soap? With soap, the same soap that the bar soap. Soap, soap, soap. 
No, it's supposed to be shampoo. What's that? That's the soap for your hair. Why did you use bar soap? I don't know what you're talking about. So this went on for 10 years. I tell people, I don't know what you're talking about. If you don't explain it completely, you have no idea whatsoever. And so that was our life for a long time is, you know, flip on the light switch. What's that? I mean, just nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Because just to remind all the listeners, you grew up with no electricity, no running water. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing close. Nothing is, and I'm going to tell you how remote it is. I mean, this is kind of extreme, but we're probably all adults on this show. You know, is the challenges of a home that was built 150 years before, an abandoned slave home, newspaper insulation, and the snow would blow through and pile as much as an inch and a half deep inside the house from just piling into the cracks and blowing up through the boards below. And so, Mm the temperature inside would fall to within 10 degrees of outside. So we routinely would have in the wintertime water frozen on the floor that would stay that way for weeks. The water would hit the floor and stay frozen the whole time. Even though the stoves, the seven stoves we have might be glowing red hot, didn't matter. The cold, warm air goes up, cold down, mm-hmm. and it stayed permafrost on the ground. And my sister even had frost form in her buttocks and in her ankles, her feet, in her bed below 15 blankets. And I should point out the 15 blankets were double, so 30 layers. My breath would regularly freeze in the house. It would get uh, the coldest I ever saw uh, during the time I was there, prior to leaving at 19, was two degrees inside the house. But after I left, it dropped to negative 10 one night, and that's Ooh. inside. Well, outside's one thing, but the inside is rough. And basically, you're in the bed for, you know, you. You can't rewarm that bed if you move or turn over wrong. You need to really stay in place, but your breath will freeze in the covers. Hoarfrost just globbed in this tunnel going outside to get that cold air. Your breath will freeze in the bed. And so that's how I was raised. Wow. Oh, mercy. What a testimony. Praise God. It's just, it's just astonishing um, to hear that, you know, in this day and age, um, I don't know what year you were born, Paul, but 62, 62, but just, you know, <laughs> basically you were growing up in the seventies, you know, the sixties and the seventies. And it just seems astonishing that anybody would be living like that, yep. you know, at that time. It is. Well, you, you my father, and there's a reason, yeah, right. I can't either, but to help your listeners, let me ask you a question. What would you do if you, right or wrong, you knew Jesus was coming tomorrow? What would you do? Well, mm-hmm. my father, right or wrong, truly believed Jesus was coming in 1974. And he did all the things that you would do if you believed that. And so he was wrong. He, he, the Bible obviously says no one knows the day or hour. My father would see that but ignore it. And he says, well, I'm not setting a day. I'm just telling you the month. It's going to be October 1974. And then when it was wrong, he changed it to October 1976 and 78. Without ever explaining why it was wrong, he reset the date. So everything was very holy. No laughing or joking or playing and mm-hmm. scriptures and you're quoting and you're literally expecting to see Jesus break through the clouds of glory. So, uh, again, all that was overdone. But God says in his word that he can use all things for his glory and ours for those who are called according to his purpose. And God's done that because, yeah, that was a lot of religious fanaticism, but guess what I'm left with was the Word. Yeah. So if you look at the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he was, he was Saul originally, right? He was a Pharisee. 
Mm-hmm. And Pharisees, by definition, had the first five books of the law memorized. Now, what did they use that for? They persecuted Christ and so forth, didn't recognize him. But on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus met him, of course, he comes to Jesus, is filled with the Holy Ghost. He immediately began doing signs and wonders and miracles without ever going back for training for Jerusalem. Why? Because the word was already in him. Mm-hmm. So even uh-huh. though he learned the word incorrectly, add the Holy Spirit, bam. And that's exactly what happened to me. So in this part of the story, didn't know about the Holy Spirit. We didn't know about signs and wonders. I thought all that stuff was of the devil. But we had huge portions of the Bible memorized. So an intense knowledge of the word, even though it was used incorrectly for the wrong purposes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in May 2011, through a series of circumstances, already saved, but finally baptized with the Holy Spirit, immediately the signs, wonders, and miracles started and blew me away. So the Holy Spirit, which she ridiculed and thought, you know, even said it was of the devil, all of a sudden realized the same word repurposed correctly, read correctly about interpretation, leads to the same kinds of things you see in the book of Acts. Amen. Hey, uh, i tell you what, um, Let's give your better half a little shout out. Tell us about uh, Miss Michelle. Michelle. Oh, amen. Amen. So Michelle is my partner for life wife, Michelle. Very close, very dear. We've been married 26, going on 27 years in April. Amen. Amen. And I had, and I'll just go ahead and tell you is prior to made a lot of mistakes in my life prior to receiving the Holy Spirit. Yes, I was saved. Uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, comforter, and guide. And you can read the Bible all kinds of crazy ways and do things your own way and find cover from the Bible to justify. So I wasn't trying to sin, but I basically thought that this young woman that I was marrying prior to Michelle, my first marriage, that the Lord work it out, you know, that it's probably going to be okay, despite the Bible saying, don't be yoke of unbelievers. So the issue was not me not knowing the word. It was me thinking that I can get it to work anyway. Mm-hmm. Terrible marriage. Terrible marriage. Got to the point that I ended up being suicidal. Just a series of horrific, terrible circumstances resulted in a marriage from H-E-L-L. And that's the only way you can describe it. Literally, if you saw a movie about it, you'd say, this isn't possible. You get up and walk out, but every ugly thing you can think about happened, could not get free at the point of getting myself killed. It was that bad. And at the point of just desperation, I was to the point of just suicide. Um, That's when the Lord used Michelle to save my life in a strange way to meet, I know. But I spent the first four months after meeting her industriously trying to find someone who would take care of her the way I would if I was interested because my values were so off that for whatever reason, I vowed her spiritually, but saw had no romantic attraction to her. She wisely, very wisely made no move whatsoever. I mean, absolutely. And all of a sudden one day it hit me, you know what, who could take care better than me? And our relationship went really fast after that. I took her to my mother, my godly mother, who for the first time in my life, she actually not just loved Michelle. She said, if you don't marry her, I'll come down to Texas and beat you over the hill with a skillet. (laughs) (laughs) I was excited because she never liked anybody I ever had before. You couldn't resist that million-dollar smile. 
because uh, I'm looking. Uh, absolutely. On, I'm looking on the preface page of your book, and she's got that million dollar smile. Oh my goodness! Yes, she believes. You know, so I'm telling you what, very devout. She was the Pentecostal style, and I'm not endorsing that at all. I endorse the Bible, the Word of God. But me being raised in a fake religion, false religion, a workspace religion, had nothing to do with anything to do with the Pentecostal, and so. For quite some time, we didn't go to any church because we couldn't decide where to go. And but, it, but the Lord, within two years, there was a series of amazing, you know, coincidences. God is there, and it took time. I would tell you, it took right around fourteen years. So about this time, that uh, you know, the Lord has blessed us. We truly have a one flesh marriage. It's just been amazing. Got to do a lot of marriage counseling. Been able to save a lot of marriages. But eventually, in Bible college, that is when I finally came around and, and realized that my wife and I got to go together. Bible college together was very special, getting to go through 40 classes, eight instructors, and to learn. I knew the Bible well, but again, had misinterpreted it. And so going together is a real treat. <laughs> That's if you ever wonderful. get to go to Bible college together with your spouse, you should do it. Oh, Amen. That sounds, oh, wow. sounds amazing. It really does. But um, Amen. Just to just to help me understand, um, in 2011, when you kind of got reintroduced, or not re- even reintroduced, but introduced to the world, uh, how, about how old were you at that time? 2011. Yeah, so I left home right at 19 years old. Okay. And so that was probably, uh, I think, December 1989, I think it was. It was awful, awful, Fritz and Tina, just awful, uh, mm-hmm. humiliating, degrading. I had no concept of a joke or the world, nothing, nothing, everything, you know, everything that you would talk about in an ordinary day. I heard the words, I understood the English, but had no understanding at all. What are you talking about? I can under- so I'll, I'll talk about the police. Mm-hmm. I can understand to a degree because coming from another culture and you know, coming here to the United States at a young age, I felt very much the same way. Like there was Mm. so much culture to learn um, because the American culture specifically is very heavily uh, drenched in pop culture and a lot of um, things that you normally just wouldn't know unless you had some form of exposure to it. So and you were so young at nineteen too that you're still kind of a baby, you know, at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you got married to Michelle, when Michelle came into your life, about how old were you there? Thirty-four, thirty-five. She was twenty-nine, and so uh, by that time, I had passed through the, you know, the ten-year transition period in. You know, I, I was just awful. I was sickened by how awful the world was. Mm-hmm. I, Tina, it, it was a matter of no matter how many times I finally figured out that this joke that I thought meant something good was something nasty. Mm-hmm. And my mind adjusted only to find out there's another level of nastiness below that and mm-hmm. below that and below that. And and I finally realized that I, I cannot comprehend the depths of human wickedness. It's 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 like everybody. There's a point in which I just felt contaminated. It's like everyone around me is just because I didn't know I was so protected. So there was many, many levels of transition from academically to career wise to personally to language to to 
to daily habits, to food, to hygiene, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just overwhelming for a long time. Yeah. I, that must have been an extremely trying time for you. Extremely. Well, Paul, you have uh, pretty much covered the preface page of your book. So um, <laughs> tell, us, tell us about Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism and um, tell us all about it and uh, where they can get it and um, just um, whatever's on your heart concerning the book. Yeah, so Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism, the book is actually on Amazon.com and you can search for it there, Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism, Paul Williams. Or just go to our ministry website, which you'll need to go to anyway, and that's lifeoffaithinchrist.org. Not .com, lifeoffaithinchrist.org. So you're going to type two Fs right there, life of faith. So you'll see the bookstore page has both my books there. Uh, Expect to Believe is the first book, Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism is the second, and then the video class page, you'll see the videos that accompany the book. So as you go through the Extreme Faith book, you will have references to the online videos, and that's where you find them. That's page five of the book, has a barcode you can scan with your phone to take you to the videos, the free videos that accompany the book. And you'll see uh, testimonies like, for example, radical instant healing from gunshot wounds. So I kid you not, the Lord has blessed us to do the same kinds of miracles that Jesus did. And I think, in fact, greater, not because we're greater, but because the Word of God says so. And there's actually bigger problems to heal now. So, I mean, like in some cases, people nearly dead from cancer, you know, instantly heal. I mean, even people with cancer so advanced, it's sticking out of the body, disappears in your sight instantly. That's the part we have a lot of of time uh, trouble convincing people. They think it's like you're going to get better and go to the hospital. No, you don't understand that. I'm talking about people with broken necks, with metal and pins in their necks. The metal disappears instantly. So astonishing miracles. And the point, for instance, Tina, this is extremely important. The point of these miracles is not just to heal people. That's very important. Jesus came to break the power of the devil over us. He, he came for this part. But the point is for evangelism. Look in the book of Acts where... Uh, uh, Philip went to the city of Samaria and did, quote, unusual miracles, and the city ran together to see the miracles, and when they did, he preached Jesus to them, they got saved. So we do a huge amount of evangelism with Muslims and Hindus and atheists, and and I'm talking about people are just blown away. I tell them, Jesus is real, and I'm going to show you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And so, you know, go in the store, gather around so that you may know Jesus, Son of God, be healed. Often make a point not to touch people because it affects them more that way. You find an atheist and say, if you will let me play in the name of Jesus. This is in a store, a mall, anywhere, on a plane, everywhere we go. Same thing every day. If you'll let me play in the name of Jesus, you'll be healed. Or they have nothing wrong with their body. Is there anyone in your family who's sick right now? Yes, my wife is very sick right now. So if you called your wife right now, she's sick. Yeah, I just left. She's extremely sick right now. Okay, so if you let me pray in the name of Jesus, your wife's going to be healed right now. You can call and check it out. But if she is, you have to let me tell you about my Jesus. They say, I don't believe in Jesus. I say, you don't have to. I'll believe on your behalf. The Bible says Jesus healed everyone who came to him. 
He sends his rain on this Justin Enders. He heals everyone just because they ask, right? Never did he ask anyone to believe in him first before he healed them. He just healed them and let them figure out he's the son of God. And so sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes they say, no, you can't pray. I say, you have nothing to lose. You don't believe he's real. Let me show you he's real. It's okay. In Jesus' name. What's your wife's name? Clara. In the name of Jesus, Clara, be healed. Call your wife. And you're talking about people blown away. We call it the 10-minute atheist conversion, start to finish. They're hungry to see the power of God. Show me something, okay? Well, I wow. think when they first get introduced, you know, it's sort of, it's got to be eye-opening, you know, for somebody who wasn't a believer before to yep. have experienced that that for the first time. I mean, you know, we're blessed to know that God can move in mighty ways and does. And, you know, we've been, we've been blessed enough to have the Lord in our life for a number of years and have seen amazing things be done. You know, I've seen my husband healed of, of things that I didn't know whether or not he was going to make it. And then, you know, our community of prayer warriors started praying for him and he's healed. And Amen. I mean, we, we like to joke with him that, you know, he's had nine lives he, or he's like a cat with nine lives. Well, when I give my testimony, uh, I always stand up and the first line out of my mouth is, uh, have you ever met a person that uh, checked out a hospice? <laughs> when that, then I'll raise my hand and I'll go, well, you've met him. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I had hospice care at the house. Yeah. You know, so it was, it's unbelievable. God is good. And I know that uh, this book has ministered to me and Paul has ministered to me. And yesterday I thoroughly enjoyed getting to pray with you and spend some time with you. And I am stoked about what God is going to do in my life. Because mm -hmm. I was spared for a reason, and I think this is the reason. Mm -hmm. You know, and how hard is it to just ask Praise somebody? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Praise God. And the times that we're in right now, you know, we need to get messages out to people now. <laughs> You know, it's not the time for sitting back. It's really a time to really get active and and out there. Um, I, I mean, it's amazing. It seems like on a daily basis, things are happening in this world that are just pointing to Christ's return. Amen. So. Amen. Now is the time. If you don't have your stuff right, you better get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Amen. So, well, Paul, um, we're almost to the end of our time, and I would like um, if you have any kind of closing remarks you'd like to say to the people. It's been a, in fact, uh, people are shouting you down online. Amen. 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 So, Amen. Uh, that's great. Uh, Pass any, uh, yeah, send any questions my way, you know. Answer as I can by email. So final words, I think, is let me, let me give you hope. If you're listening and you're wondering how in the world can miracles be done like this? Like I, like I said, cancer disappearing as you're looking at it. Uh, you know, we prayed for a man that got run over by a truck. 
his side of his head, you know, whole eye socket and all that broken and turned out along with 11 other bones. Jesus instantly healed him. Everyone there could see the whole eye socket turn and said, for the rest of your life, you'll never doubt the power of God. You saw the power of God with your own eyes. Now, those who are just stubborn will still refuse to believe. But if you're asking, how do I get there? It's remarkably simple. Turn in your Bibles to John 14, 12, or on your phone, or you can do so later. John 14, 12. This is where Jesus says these words, and every translation says meaningfully the same thing. Believers will do the works that I did, referring to the things he did to prove he's the Messiah. He says, you're going to do greater works. The key, the first important step to the supernatural is to believe the words of Jesus as written without interpretation and without trying to figure out what it means. Jesus, after all, did say, unless you have the faith of a little child, you can't be saved. He didn't say child. He said little child. And little child don't ask, children don't ask any questions. If Jesus had told them, you can do the things I did, they wouldn't ask any questions. They would start using his name. The first step is to have the the carefree attitude of a child who believes it simply because Jesus said it. And if you can say, Jesus, I believe John 14, 12, because you said it, not because I understand it. Congratulations. You just took your first step to doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'll go, ahead and read, I'll go ahead and read the scripture. It says, truly, Amen. truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because i go to the father amen i believe that jesus because you said it so if you're out there i just like to pray for you right now can i do that absolutely father god thank you that you so love the world you sent your only son jesus to suffer and die for us before the beginning of the world ephesians chapter one this is what it, you plan to do, and it gave you great pleasure to do all this, Lord. We just thank you for just how much you love us. And, of course, Jesus, for representing, being the very character and nature of God, coming disguised as a human, walking amongst us. And when you left, having won the victory on the cross, you left use of your powerful name to us. Jesus, we thank you that you told us to go teach and preach. You said signs and wonders would follow the proclaiming of the word. We believe that, Jesus, because you said it. Forgive us for unbelief. Forgive us for trying to interpret what did you mean. You meant what you said. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts like never before to receive, to be transformed by your words, Lord, and so that in your name the dead still rise, the sick heal, Lord, not just in church, but everywhere we go, Lord. May an army of laborers for the harvest rise up, result of this show, Lord, an army of people that are able to lay hands and be evangelists, healing, casting out demons, and doing signs, wonders, and miracles for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time, Paul. And uh, everybody that's listening, and we are going to have Paul back for a part two, because there's a lot of stuff we didn't get into. And I wanted him to talk more about his book, too. Speaking of his book, that's um, Paul Williams' Life of Faith in Christ Ministries in Houston, Texas. And the website is life uh, lifeoffaithinchrist.org. And the email is info at life of faith in christ.org 
and you can get in touch with them there. You can pick up a book on Amazon. It's Extreme Faith for Extreme Evangelism. I would highly recommend it. And then you're going to need to go to the website anyway because it's a it's kind of a workbook style, and you watch <laughs> the videos and you do the lessons, and it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. So thank you, Paul, for sending us those. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Well, Paul, stay on the line with us, and uh, we're going to wrap up this tonight's <laughs> session. I just wish everybody a great night, and thanks for tuning in, everybody online. That's Robert, thanks for being with us tonight. Amen and amen. Yes, sir. So uh, thank you so much. Well, that about wraps it up for session 323. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless.